Good evening. It is good to see all of you out tonight. We're glad that you're here with us. I appreciate the song selection tonight. Uh, the last couple of songs go very well with the, the subject that we're talking about. The last song, Be With Me, Lord. Uh, have you ever thought about how beautiful that song is? Uh, someone had uh, told me some time ago that when that song was written, it was written for only voices. A lot of the songs that we sing are written for instruments to be used as well. But that song is written for only voices. And it is a, a very beautiful song in that regard. Um, but again, very applicable to our lesson tonight. As we are in our One Word series, uh, we are on week 43 in this series. And of course, we've skipped some here and there uh, as far as having our singing nights. So it's taken us a little longer to get through the book that way. Um, but tonight's word is grief. And grief is something that we all deal with in some way or another. You might ask, well, what is grief? Grief is a multifaceted response to loss, particularly to the loss of someone or something that has died, to which a bond or affection was formed. Although conventionally focused on the emotional response of loss, it also has physical, cognitive, behavioral, social, and philosophical dimensions. Obviously, that's not a Kyle Webb definition. Uh, it's basically Wikipedia definition, but it is sufficient for its purpose. Grief is a response to loss. And it can mean different things. It can be for different reasons. But mostly it is a response to loss. Does it have to be the physical loss of a loved one in the way that we usually uh, associate it with? Uh, you have different programs that are, are focused at dealing with the loss of a loved one and dealing with the grief that comes with it. But it doesn't have to be that way. There can be other reasons that we might grieve as well. Think of maybe the loss of, of a friendship. Maybe two friends disagree on something to the point where they completely have to separate from one another. Uh, look at David and Saul and the differences that they had. Uh, Saul tried to kill him. And David grieved that loss of a relationship and some of the things that came with that. Maybe the loss of something sentimental. Uh, maybe there's a, a house fire that, that burns everything that, that you really enjoyed in life. All the memories, all the pictures and, and things of that nature that can't be restored. Grief. There may be many reasons that we would grieve, uh, but grief is something that we face. Our lesson objectives for tonight are First of all, to learn how Christians are to deal with grief from a biblical standpoint. When we look at Christianity, we want to do it God's way. So if we're going to grieve, we want to make sure that we do, do it in a way that God is, is pleased with. And secondly, to learn how to help others who are dealing with grief. I know that I've taken a couple of classes in the school of preaching that have dealt with grief and depression and things of that nature. Uh, but we want to learn how to help others. And so there, there will be an element of that in this lesson. We begin with the first point with 
a question. Basically all these points are questions. And this is the first one. Is it acceptable for a Christian to grieve? Is it acceptable for a Christian to grieve? I know I was talking to Brother Hugh this morning and he mentioned that that was something that uh, he had heard in a sermon before. There are those that believe that it is not okay to grieve. That the Bible tells us not to grieve. And I would disagree. Let's just look at it from, from a scriptural standpoint. We all suffer loss, but some wonder if it is acceptable to God to feel sad or angry at the loss of a loved one, especially. And other forms would include grief over a world that is not as it once was, a world that is full of evil. We understand that, that, that Satan is the ruler of this world. And we often look at this world and we see more evil today than we did in years past. As a matter of fact, I talked to a gentleman today at the nursing home. And that was his main concern. How can there be so much evil in the world? And we grieve over that. And rightly so. There are other forms of grief as well. You think of, of someone, maybe like a soldier, who has lost a limb in battle. And they grieve over that. They, they have a hard time dealing with that kind of loss in their life. Have a hard time moving on. Maybe someone who has been assaulted sexually or otherwise. Uh, maybe they, they have trouble getting through that. That's grief. Some respond to their grief by blaming God when life becomes difficult. And maybe God is not to blame for the things that, that we deal with. But we do have to deal with them in some way or another. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 13 through 18, Paul uh, expresses how one should deal with grief, at least over the loss of a loved one. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning with verse 13, it says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you, by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Now there are those that believe that Paul is saying that we should not grieve. When we know our loved one is in heaven, we have no reason to grieve. Now I would beg to differ. Paul is not telling the Thessalonians, at least from uh, my standpoint, at least the way that I read this, Paul is not telling them 
that they have no reason to grieve. But He is providing them with reason to find comfort in their grief. He is helping them to deal with their grief. Not really trying to expel it, but how to deal with their grief. We grieve in different ways at different times and at different speeds. Each person is different, and that's one of the things that that in the classes that I've taken, the things that I've learned about it, everyone deals with grief in their own time. And it's not something that will be over just like that. It may take years. And it may be something that they always grieve over. But maybe they learn to deal with that grief. And so as Paul is speaking to the Thessalonians, what he's saying is not that they shouldn't grieve, but he's giving them comfort in their grief. Knowing where a loved one has gone is a great source of comfort. And that was the, the, the thing with the Thessalonians. They didn't know what had happened to their loved ones. What, what happens if they die before Jesus comes? Well, what's going to happen to them? Paul's telling them they're not going to miss out on anything. We'll all be raised to meet the Lord in the air together at the same time. And verse 18 it is especially special to this point because Paul tells them to comfort one another. You see, we are to help each other in times of grief. And they were to use these words to comfort one another. So, I think just verse 18 alone tells us that Paul is not telling them that they shouldn't grieve. But he is helping them in their grief. To deal with their grief. God himself is a comfort in difficult times. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 beginning with verse 3. Paul says here, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. God provides us with comfort. He is a source of comfort. And we should look to Him as a comfort when we need Him. So is it alright? Is it okay for a Christian to grieve? I believe the answer to that is yes. Let's look at another question. How should Christians deal with grief? It is important that as Christians that we know how to deal with our grief. Because if we, there is a way that we can deal with it in the wrong way. And there is a deal, way we can deal with it in the right way. And again we see differences in our individual grief. Let's look at John chapter 11 and beginning with verse 14. John 11 and verse 14. And here we read in this chapter of the death of Lazarus. 
And in verse 14, Jesus said to His disciples, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to Him. And they didn't understand exactly what Jesus was saying. And if we didn't understand the rest of the story, we probably wouldn't either. But we pick up with verse 17. So when Jesus came, He found that He had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? And we'll stop there. We know the rest of the story. But as we look at the grief of Mary and Martha, we see some differences in how Jesus handled their grief. Let's look at Martha's grief first, since she is the first that is mentioned. Martha, we know to be a very logical person. She's one of those people that thinks about things a lot. And she expressed that. There was a, a moment where Jesus was visiting with them. And she was busy cleaning. And Mary was listening to Jesus. And Martha was thinking, why is she not helping me? 
And so she goes to Jesus and said, Tell her to help me. And Jesus tells Martha, she's chosen the, the right part. But logically thinking, Martha was trying to serve someone. And she thought that Mary should help her. So, as we look at Martha, we look at, at her personality. We look at who she is. We see that she needed answers. She needed to know what Jesus meant when he said that Lazarus would rise again. Well, are you are talking about the resurrection? I know that. She needed to understand the power within Jesus as the Son of God. Jesus answered to her in verse 25. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. She needed to talk. And so Jesus was willing to talk to her and to answer the questions that she had. But how did he deal with Mary? As we look at Mary, Mary was a different person. And as we look at, at this case, we see that she was very emotional. And in other cases as well. But as we look at Mary, she was much different than her sister. And Jesus recognized the difference in how they grieved. In order to comfort Mary, Jesus wept with her. He saw her weeping. He didn't try to, to talk her out of it or, or to tell her not to grieve. But he grieved with her. He groaned within himself and within his spirit. And he grieved as well. Martha needed answers. Mary wasn't wasn't in need of, of talking. So Jesus was there for her, for her when she needed Him to be. I, I've, I've dealt with people as far as, as losing loved ones and things of that nature. I've gone to, to many visitations and funerals, uh, even in my short time as a preacher. And one of the things that I've noticed in the last few years is that it's not what you say. And whenever I go to see someone who's lost a loved one, I never know what to say. Maybe it's someone that I've known for a long time. Maybe it's someone that, that I've only known for a very short time. Maybe someone that I've not really known at all. But whenever I go to greet someone, I never know what to say. But what I've found is that sometimes not saying anything is okay. And I've had people tell me that. You don't have to say anything. You're here. And that's what matters to me. That's what Jesus did with Mary. He was there for her. And that's something that we learned. That, that not everyone needs to talk about the loss of a loved one. But just being there for someone makes a great difference. And as we look at this question that we're asking, how should Christians deal with grief? Sometimes this grief is, is not over the loss of a loved one. Grief is not always tied to the loss of a loved one. 
But maybe it is that we have grief over sin. You ever done something and, and man, why did I do that? You realize your error. And so, as Christians, we are to repent of that. But sometimes people turn in their grief to another direction. Let's look at the betrayal of Judas. I mentioned this a little bit this morning. We'll look at it again. In the betrayal of Judas, in Matthew 27, verses 3 through 5, we read this. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Judas realized that he had made a very, very grave mistake. He had betrayed the Son of God. And when he came to, when he really realized what he had done, he was remorseful. He, he tried to bring back the money to give it back to the people who had given it to him. I, I don't deserve this. I don't need this. Uh-uh, you see to it. And in verse 5, we see the way that he dealt with his grief. He was grieved over his own sin. But in verse 5 it says that he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. He was remorseful. And that's the right feeling. When we realize we have sinned, we should be remorseful for that. We should want to, to, to make that right if there's a way to do so. But instead of repenting or trying to deal with his grief over his sin, Judas took his own life. He, he took away any chance of, of truly repenting by taking his own life. He felt that, that was the best way to deal with his grief. And we read on in numerous occasions, especially sadly with school children, young school children that, that feel like they have nowhere to turn and no way to deal with their grief and so they take their own life. That's exactly what Judas did. And his reaction was wrong because he never truly repented. Remorse and repentance are two different things. But we read this morning in Mark 14, verses 66 through 72, uh, about Peter denying Jesus. Peter was standing at a distance from the trial, and he could see what was happening. And, and someone came to him and said, You're one of his disciples, aren't you? No, 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 not me. Hey, he's one of his disciples. No, it's not me. I, I'm not. Yes, you are. Your speech betrays you. No, I'm not. It's not me. And he began to curse to try to prove to them that he was not a disciple of Jesus. And Peter realized what he had done. And the cock crowed the second time. Peter was also remorseful. 
He was sad. He was grieved over his own sin. But in John 21, one of my favorite passages, John 21, verses 15 through 19, we see that Peter dealt with his grief in a different way than Judas did. He had done basically the same thing. Judas had betrayed the Son of God into the hands of evil men. Peter had denied him, and they did very similar things here. They betrayed Jesus. But in John 21, verse 15, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, Do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. Verse 17, He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved. Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. We don't have time to, to go into the deep details of this passage, but notice three times Jesus asked him a similar question. But he didn't ask him the same question. There's a difference in wording. Do you love me more than these is the first question. The second, do you love me? The third, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And when Peter answered those questions, Jesus first of all said, feed my lambs. Secondly, he says, tend my sheep. And thirdly, he says, feed my sheep. There's a difference between the younger sheep and the older sheep. And Peter is to guide them all. Peter is to, to tend to the flock and to feed them. At the very end, Jesus says to him, Follow me. Now, wait a minute. Didn't we read much earlier in Scripture, whenever Jesus called His disciples, He said, follow me. And they did. And Peter followed Him through a great many things. And now Jesus is saying again, follow me. Why? Because Peter needed to be restored. And he was. Peter dealt with his grief differently than Judas did. 
And that instead of, of harboring all of those feelings within and not, not telling anybody, not talking about them, just taking his own life, instead of doing that, Peter dealt with his grief. He dealt with it with Jesus in this conversation and he was restored. And Peter went on to preach the great sermon of Acts 2, opening the doors of the kingdom to the Jews and later also to the Gentiles. But realize that there is a difference in how people grieve. But God doesn't want us to keep it all to ourselves uh, until it makes us explode, until we, 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 we just end it all. He wants us to deal with it in the right way. And if we have grief over sin, we need to repent. Final question. Does God care about our grief? Does God care? David grieved extensively over the loss of the relationship that he once held with King Saul. King Saul, fearing the loss of his kingdom into the hands of David, turned on him and on several occasions tried to kill him, though David never sought revenge in return. And in 1 Samuel 22, we read that many lost their lives in Saul's quest to find David, and David felt responsible. He felt guilty for, that, for the loss of those lives. But in dealing with all of this, we read of David's reaction to the many things that grieved him. In Psalm 34, in verse 15, says the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. Have you ever felt like you're all alone in your grief? David expresses here his confidence that God sees, hears, and cares for his own. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The righteous cry out, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their trouble. The Lord is near to those who have a broken spirit and saves such as have a contrite spirit. God cares. David was confident that God cares. And Paul expresses similar feelings in James chapter 5 beginning with verse 13. Paul encourages the use of prayer on behalf of the Christian. James 5.13 Is anyone among you suffering? 
Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Why would Paul encourage the use of prayer on behalf of the suffering of a Christian if it wasn't effective? If God didn't care? Oh, absolutely. God cares. So, is it okay for us to grieve, even as Christians? Or are there times that, that truly merit <coughs> grief? I believe there are. And when dealing with feelings of frustration, sadness, anger, whatever the case may be, we need to be careful how we deal with those feelings. But as we are told in Scripture, it is okay to grieve. Sometimes we need to grieve. And it is okay to grieve. But in your grief, do not turn away from God as Judas did. What would it have been like if, if in his remorse over his sin, if Judas had turned to God instead of taking his life? What if he had prayed? Would God have forgiven him? I believe he would have. Though we may have sinned and maybe in a great way, God still provides the opportunity to repent. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, the promise of, of his son coming. He will come. Even though he seems to be delayed, he will come. He is not slack concerning his promise, but is long-suffering toward us. He is patient with us. Not, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He gives us that opportunity, and as long as we have breath, we have the opportunity to repent. Judas had that opportunity but he lost that opportunity when he took his life. So in your grief, don't turn away from God. Turn to God. Pray. Talk to fellow Christians. Seek help if you need it. But turn to God. And again, does God care? Absolutely, He cares for you. In Hebrews 4.16 Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 13 verses 5 and 6 
For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? God is our helper if we want him to be. And if we seek his help. God cares for you. He loves you so much so that he sent his son to die for you. Does he care? Yes. Never forget it. I don't know what you may be going through tonight, but if you have need of responding to the Lord's invitation, maybe it is that you need to obey the gospel. Maybe you need to come in, in faith, repenting of your sin, confessing your faith in Christ, being baptized for the remission of your, of your sins. And if that is your need, then we offer you that opportunity. Maybe it is that you need to come back. Maybe you need to repent of something that you've done. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness or prayer on your behalf. But whatever your need is tonight, if there is a way that we can help you, if there is a way that we can assist you, we give you that opportunity to respond as together we stand and as we sing. Our God and our